0: Welcome to the Meal Manager Co-Pilot Podcast, where you hear real stories of real people living their lives and how they make the plant-based diet work with the meal plans. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon from GetMealPlans.com. In this episode, we're going to talk about gender issues, specifically being male on a plant-based diet, multiple sclerosis, relapsing and bouncing back, because almost everybody is going to relapse and regain some of the weight they lost, but then they're going to lose it again, and it's totally normal, and I'm so excited to talk about that today. So let me go ahead and welcome my co-pilot, Gary. Hey, what's up? Um. Uh- Plenty, but (laughs) I'm doing good. I'm doing good. good. So, Gary, if you're not familiar with him, which I don't know how you're not, because he's so active in our member community and everyone loves Gary, especially me. Everyone at HQ is so jealous and talking to you today. But for those who aren't don't know you or maybe don't know your history, why don't you kind of tell us how you came to the plant-based diet?
1: Oh, okay, sure. I grew up basically in Chicago and I remember like my favorite food. There's this restaurant called Tecalitlan and they would have these Al Pastor burritos with added cheese, avocado and sour cream. I think they're like, you know, 15,000 calories (laughs) and sounds like it. And uh, they were delicious. And, you know, after grad school, I kind of I, you know, I bulked (laughs) I bulked up. I worked as a bouncer at this bar called the Rainbow Club in Chicago for about like six years. And, you know, I I kind of became a big guy. And I think like my peak, probably I weighed about 250 or 260. And I sort of maintained it. I had one, I had gone on a fast once and lost a lot of weight. But, you know, it didn't change my habits after I did the fast. And so I pretty much stayed within that sort of range, you know, plus or minus 15 to 20 pounds with past Harded like half-hearted attempts to lose weight, and my journey to to whole food plant based sort of started about five years ago. I have a seven year old daughter, and maybe it was five to six years ago. But you know, I had been experiencing all throughout my life. I would have these horrible like pains in my chest, you know, in my stomach, and I always thought it was heartburn. I always thought that like I had, I thought wow, you know, heartburn really hurts. Um, mm-hmm. And a couple of times I I went to the hospital for it, but by the time they came to see me, everything cleared up. Things would always kind of clear up after six hours. I never sort of knew what caused, you know, what caused it. You know, I had a tendency to overeat or eat a lot. You know, it's, it's hard work maintaining that weight. <laughs> um, once, I remember it was like five or six years ago. I had one of these attacks. During these attacks, I couldn't sleep. I was in such pain. And my daughter was so young. So I basically, I told my wife, I'm just going to drive myself to the hospital because we couldn't figure out a way to negotiate, you know, like, hey, let's wake up the entire family. So I drove myself into the hospital in incredible pain, went to the wrong place, um, you know, finally figured out where emergency care was. And I swear that I think that they thought I was a drug addict, like looking for morphine because I was just like out of my mind in pain. I remember that nobody would see me and I was just in a room and I felt like I really needed help. And so I just sort of sat down in the middle of the hallway. I mean, it was like a kind of crazy thing to do, but I sort of sat down in the middle of the hallway till I had like a couple of people, uh, you know, tell me to till like I come inside. And so, you know, I just was kind of trying to use the squeaky wheel mode. Somebody did see me and they did an ultrasound and they found gallstones. And they said they found very like significant gallstones. So, you know, it turns out that I had just gallbladder disease my entire life. You know, with some follow-up blood tests, they found fatty liver. And and it was weird because at the time, I, I wasn't really drinking. I'm not really... Historically, I hadn't been like a big drinker. So it was, you know, in retrospect, I think it was, you know, it was from just like such a fatty diet. I got scheduled for surgery and um, this all happened on December 7th, a, a day that will live in infamy for me. I got scheduled for surgery, but I had to wait a long time for surgery. And I asked, well, what can I do until then? And, you know, they said, well, you know just stop eating cheese or so much fat. I mean, they they had like no idea about what my diet was like, but, you know, they could tell sort of visually, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so best best I could tell was like, hey, I'm going to stop eating while this is going on. I'm going to stop eating cheese. I'm going to stop eating meat. I mean, you know, red mm-hmm. meat. I was still eating chicken. And so I didn't really kind of like know any better. But the the positive thing was that the, That I was not having gallbladder attacks while waiting for surgery, and I think I, you know, sort of at first subconsciously like made a note of it, and you know people in my family were telling me you're eating like a, you know, like a friggin' rabbit. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Around this time, I lost a a dear aunt to a stomach cancer, and she thought it was crazy at the time that like I was having stomach issues, but I was like eating a lot of apples and. She said, they're going to give you heartburn and they never, they never gave me heartburn. They, they, you know, everything was, was, was fine. So anyway, so I started dropping a lot of weight and this was also kind of, I found to be, you know, great. I started researching, doing autodidact nutrition research and I, and I stumbled on uh, Forks Over Knives and I think it was on Netflix or something. Me and my wife watched it, and it was sort of weird because I think we saw a quarter or a half of it, and I just felt like, well, I'm convinced, and I'm just going to do this. I'm sorry, I think eventually I'll see the whole thing, but I w- I just felt like right away that like, you know, this all kind of makes sense to me, and so I was exact on the whole meat and dairy level, but I wasn't really that exact. On the fat level initially, and I lost, but I did lose weight, and I was like exercising. I think because I'm Italian, it's just like olive oil just sort of kind of seeped in mm-hmm. everywhere. But eventually, like after a few years, I got around to be around like 170 pounds. I mean, one of the interesting things is that when I try to explain. This to my parents. My parents were raised in rural Italy and, you know, lived through Mussolini and stuff. And I first said to my mom, you know, I'm going to, I, I don't need meat anymore and stuff and, and dairy and stuff. And she was like, well, you know, we'll just make chicken when you come over. <laughs> and then
0: I was raised by Italian family too. So I so appreciate that. And I think anyone who's from that area, even if they're like Greece or the Mediterranean is probably laughing. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're you don't eat, you don't eat me. I'll make you fish.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So then I kind of tried to explain in more detail. And she was like, and she said something that I thought was pretty interesting that well we'll just cook like they did during the war um uh, like we did during the war and so um you know every time like i go over there they go into mussolini mode where you know beans are cooked and you know green vegetables my dad's family had some some sort of farm and so they would grow chicory and they would eat fava and chicory uh, mashed fava and chicory together. I hated it as I was young, when I was young, but now it's sort of like incredibly delicious. But, you know, the thing that like is always, you know, difficult is sort of explaining the fat, and especially like, well, I'll, I'll get more into fat, I think, probably with my relapse because, I mean, it kind of like, it's sort of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years later, I had started like getting this loss of balance in my body It started in my neck and then sort of shot down. I I was lecturing about my artwork at the Art Institute. I had a couple of days of really bad headaches prior to that. And then I started feeling this numbness in the back of my neck and it traveled throughout my body. I had, about 10 years prior, had this idiopathic event where one of my optic nerves swelled uh, really greatly and I was tested for uh, MS and my brain became like the most photographed brain. In the world, or something, with a lot of like MRIs and CAT scans and stuff, and nothing was found. And this sort of like once everything, you know, once it was this weird experience, which you know ultimately confirmed that I did have MS. And so I was diagnosed with it, and and I was hoping that you know what had happened prior was just some sort of weird viral thing or right, like some freak virus. Yeah. But, you know, and I, and then the new thing I was like hoping, well, maybe it's a pinched nerve or something like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there was this year period, like after my MS diagnosis, where I, you know, started drinking a lot and eating vegan junk food, chips, anything that was oily, anything that could kind of satisfy me. <laughs> I, I, I flirted with fish and. Without sort of realizing it, like, there was one day that, like, I was part of something where I did a stand-up routine at the Hammer Museum. And I remember, like, looking at the tape of it afterwards, the videotape of it afterwards. And I realized that, like, oh, my God, I have sort of, I've gained, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. it's weird because when it's day by day, one doesn't notice the bad that is happening, you know, the, the weight that is being gained, right. and, stuff. and and I and I kind of got like super depressed, and of course that made me gain a little more weight, <laughs> and I think I went through four or five like uh, you know sort of weight loss attempts where, you know, I felt like I had the knowledge, I still wasn't achieving a lot of results because I think I I still had this really this big nut addiction where in the morning I would eat peanut butter on whole wheat bread with, you know, blueberries on top. And of course it was really delicious, but like, I'm sure I was packing, you know, I was thinking, well, and just using two tablespoons of peanut butter, but like I was probably doing more and I was eating a lot of nuts and I wasn't being careful about trying to like avoid oil and cooking and all this stuff. So I kind of like, Went through all these sort of kind of variations, like like oh, I'll just put peanut butter on apple slices instead of <laughs> instead of right. bread. And, you know, I was basically trying to trying to bargain away, trying to bargain away my nut addiction. You know, trying to like kind of like keep my nut addiction and trying to figure out some formula where I could maintain it. But then like I I, I just sort of realized that, and and then I like I tried PB two. Um which, although I, I don't think is a really like long term good strategy personally. I mean, you know, um, I suddenly s- saw result results. I was having like a banana, you know, frozen bananas with PV2 in the morning for breakfast, which was which was a sort of odd concoction, but but like I, you know, I started sort of seeing results. And things sort of grew. I mean, I, I, I think I, I, I sort of looked a little bit more seriously at the swank diet and and Dr. McDougal's like version, you know, the fact that he was, he was a big inspiration to Dr. McDougal and, and I, you know, I love potatoes like every human being should. And uh, (laughs) so I, you know, finally, I think like kind of got serious and along that with MS, like, you know, some recent studies and, and I wish I could quote them, You know, I'm always, like, impressed by Dr. Greger. Since we're recording in St. Patrick's Day, I'll call him Dr. McGregor. His, like, videos um, and, like, just the, like, and also Dr. Garth Davis, you know, they're just the, they're, like, footnote maestros or something (laughs) like that. Uh, But, like, but there were a couple of recent studies with exercise and MS. And so I could do, like, one push-up where I was at MS. And now I sometimes do like 200 a day.
0: Wow. I, you know, I
1: bike to and from work. I have an elliptical pedal. I eat uh, elliptical pedals under my desk at work. And so my main approach towards combating the, the disease is I eat plans and I, you know, I, and we follow the meal mentor dinners. Try to move my ass and try to be strong, and you know, I think that that kind of gives me the best possible scenario. I mean, I feel a lot better. I mean, I feel so much better now than I than I ever have in my life because even like before I knew I had MS, and even before my initial attack of MS, I'm you know I'm much more fit. And in the meantime, I you know I don't weigh myself. I have this sort of weird. Like as soon as I get on the scale the first time, I sort of get obsessed and and do it multiple times a day, and so I kind of just use my sort of belt loop as as my sort of as my guide towards you know if you know towards how I'm doing. And at my thinnest before my relapse, I was at the fifth notch, and now I'm at the seventh notch, and so I think I probably weigh around one hundred. 60 pounds or so. And, you know, eventually I'll probably find the courage to like actually kind of get on the scale and do it once a week because I, I feel like I'm in maintenance mode. But that's sort of another thing. I mean, it's, it's funny how like so much, so many emotions are around weight and stuff like that. And I, mm-hmm. I think that like one of the things that like, I've always known that it's been like a sort of like a huge battlefield for women. And I don't mean that in terms of just I basically mean culturally. I mean, I, right. I, I think that like...
0: It's not that women have have you know weight issues, but it definitely is like a, the scale. And we see that with the members all the time. And it's really become a movement within the meal mentor community to do non-scale victories like your belt or the way things fit. Because the scale, it's just one tool and it certainly can be helpful. But for a lot of people, it's not. And it's very yeah. emotionally. I mean, it it emotionally upsets me if I get on the scale and... It's not what I'm expecting. It will ruin my day. And I wish it didn't. But I've just come to say, okay, well, I have to accept that's how it influences me. And so I need to find other ways.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, scales have such flux. And uh, everybody should know that who doesn't Mm -hmm. already know that. And you know, uh, you know, there's but you so can know that it still
0: but, upset you, which is my case. Like, I know, yeah, like, yeah. I know that it's not yeah. perfect, accurate. And it's not saying so many other things like, did I poop today? But it still takes me down, man, even though I know.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I think that, like, women, like, get judged no matter what weight they are. I that mean, is true. There <laughs> is, no matter what weight they, they are. There seems to be no escape. It's almost like it sort of creeps me out when when strangers feel free to touch pregnant women's uh, bellies. Oh,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. I mean,
1: and but to me, that sort of like that kind of talks about the sort of like fact that women's bodies are are sort of assumed to be public and, mm-hmm. and and there's this assumption that they are open to judgment and ridicule by strangers. And this is really sort of problematic. If you're male, however, the only time you get judged on your body is if you are within the normal BMI range or skinnier. <laughs> I mean, I um this is sort of like one of the interesting things to me is like because I had never sort of experienced it before in my life that, you know, people telling me I'm too skinny, people telling me, Oh, stop, you know, you should stop losing weight. And I remember when I weighed two hundred pounds, people were telling me I was too skinny. I'm five eleven and and, you know, 200 may be like average what people, my height and who are male weigh, but it isn't necessarily like ideal unless one is really muscular and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really muscular. <laughs> I right. mean, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm physically fit, but I didn't, you know, I don't like produce show muscles with, you know, protein powders and stuff like that. I don't, you know, that's not, that's not my, that's not my thing it's not my interest also like i think it's actually like cooking is very interesting because men barbecue the only way it's safe for a male to cook without being sort of defeminized <laughs> is to barbecue which i find sort of like interesting because that there is a sort of association with the kill the hunt etc mm-hmm. and 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 maleness it's sort of weird. I mean, it, I find it odd that there has to be this sort of other form, this other ritual of cooking, in order to make it acceptable for men to cook. It has to. There has to be this sort of these things in order to make it to make it acceptable for the male gender to cook culturally.
0: I love that you brought questioned. that up. I I just had a very real instance of that where we had a bunch of friends over, most of whom were omnivores. And our one friend was just, like, boasting about, like, yeah, I can grill. Like, he just kept going on and on and how he was so great at grilling or whatever. And so then he, like, went and, and grilled food. And I was having a conversation with another male at the party. And he said it joking, but it's it, – it, a lot of things that we say joking we actually mean. We just don't want to set ourselves up for vulnerability. But the male friend said to me, excuse me, I need to go stand by the girl since I'm male. And like I said, he meant it to be joking, but it was so true. And now hearing you say this, I'm like, oh, right, (laughs) that's society.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because it's assumed also that I have knowledge that I should be ready and prepared to take over (laughs) whenever I'm at like an omnivorous party, which, you know, most of the parties I go to are. Yeah, you know, it's sort of hilarious because it's so – it's pretty contrived and yet, yet it's so like accepted that it seems like natural, like so many other things around gender. But, you know, I've been called the vegetable queen. I, it's, you know, I, I've been referred to as having a vagina. I, <laughs> you know, I, Is this I by get other this...
0: men or by women yeah, too? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But by other men, but I also think like a lot of women buy into, into this too. I,
0: Oh, yeah. There have been studies where they ask, you know, men and women and even women will say that, you know, eating meat is manly and a man is a less manly because he's not eating meat. And, and even vegetarian women will, like, come out and say this, not it's mind blowing to me. But that is our Western society. You can't watch anything. Yeah. I mean, just watch commercials at the Super Bowl and you will see very clearly we are sending the message that meat is manly and grilling is how you prove it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because none of these men would go like hunt an animal without a tool. I mean, I feel that like if you're actually like, if you're in this do or die contest with the animal, you know, bring your game, just bring your hands and see if you can accomplish anything. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, there's this, there's this video on YouTube of this deer kicking the ass out of a hunter. And like, (laughs) as much as I am unviolent. It's sort of like, I'm sort of just really like thinking this deer has every right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not such a promoter of the human species as being superior to others. I think elephants are incredible animals that deserve such respect. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a crazy, it's, it's a crazy system to me.
0: I had a similar experience with the deer when I was in Spain and they still have bullfights, which makes me so upset. Obviously I, I was not going to go to one and I too try to be nonviolent, but when I was there, um, the bullfighter basically lost the bull. I don't know if he killed or he seriously injured the bull tamer person or whatever. And I heard about it because obviously it was making the news and stuff there. And I, for a moment, I was like, yeah, go bull. And then I was like, wait, I shouldn't be cheering at all. But I, that's how I right. felt. I'm like, you do all these horrible things to this animal and then it turned around and attacked you. And it was in its right. Re- yeah, yeah. But I had the exact same feeling as you watching that deer video. And then I was like, wait, I shouldn't yeah. be happy about any kind of violence, but I, that's how I felt as well. Like the people yeah. who climb into zoo cages and then that, you know, animal malls and You're like, "Real, you're surprised?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the first person to say this, but when we take a child to see sort of like farms or something, you know, we take children to to like orchards, but we never take children to slaughterhouses.
0: Right. And,
1: you know, the killing of animals, the way it's sort of done industrially. I mean, I wish I was had an armload of facts and et cetera, but like the, the warehousing and the killing and even the birth of the animal, it's horrific. And, and, Ironically, like I didn't come to this way of sort of eating with with an excessive sense of compassion towards animals i mean i i i, I like them and and stuff like that beforehand, but I think through this way of eating, it's kind of opened my eyes and it sort of has estranged me towards the the fact that like i mean and makes me conscious like you know when somebody's like talking about like bacon on donuts they're like clumps of a pig's butt on a donut I mean, <laughs> right, it's just like,
0: right I've often wondered if we called it what it really was if it would still be desirable
1: yeah yeah and it's interesting that like that that chicken is the only thing that maintains its name <laughs> it seems, that's true or, or yeah that's sometimes. so true yeah if anybody's ever spent any time with a pig they're like amazing
0: Oh, they're, they're so smart. Amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. yeah. They're so smart. They're smarter than dogs. They can play video games. Pigs are incredible animals. They're so... Yeah, oh.
1: yeah.
0: If you can go to a sanctuary and meet a pig, go meet a pig. It'll it'll change yeah. everything for you. One thing you had said when you were telling us your story, which I thank you so much for sharing with us, because it's it's such a... It's an amazing story in the sense that, you know, you had this pain... That turned out to be from you know gallstones and fatty liver, but then as you mentioned, you weren't even drinking, so it was diet, which reminds us that even diet, it just shows up in all different kinds of ways, but that when you were in all this pain and you were going through unbelievable amounts of tests... There was still so much doubt like oh well maybe no and and no one actually said anything to you about diet except when you were getting ready for surgery and they were like cut back on fat but they didn't even ask you about yeah. your diet to know if you ate it and sure you were overweight so one could assume that maybe you weren't making the leanest choices on the planet but there was just no discussion of food.
1: It's funny because there've been a couple of cases where I've met doctors at parties and they seem to have no nutritional knowledge at all. And they questioned the fact that I wasn't drinking milk or, or like that, that like they, they questioned the fact that there is dairy intolerance exists and they just, and I don't want to paint them with a, with a, with a wide brush, but yeah, diet wasn't mentioned at all. I mean, I, it was interesting. One thing that happened was my general practitioner at the time, was really like overweight. And she, you know, once I sort of got in normal BMI range and Kaiser Permanente at the time was like really into BMI as this, you know, big determiner. So I, I I, I was like, you know, I'm at the upper end of BMI, but everybody tells me I'm too thin. And she said, no, everybody's, you know, everybody's fat. You just, Uh, and and I hate using that term, I I, I don't mean that to be uh, like, anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, And she's right. I mean, I think that we're so used to seeing heavier people that people look at me and think that I'm underweight, although I don't really feel underweight. I feel great in my body, which, you know, has never happened before. And I remember right before gay marriage came to pass, this has nothing to do politically, ironically enough, but like there was these two photos that somebody shared on Facebook of protesters against interracial marriage in the, I don't know, 50s or 60s and then protesters against gay uh, gay marriage in 2014 or whatever. And, you know, the point of the, uh, of the photo was a political point. Mm-hmm. Saying I think that, I remember you know, a, a, this, yes. It, and it was like about you know intolerance but the, the first thing i noticed was how much thinner the protesters were in the first photo and how much larger the protesters were in the second photo and it was it was really it was really sort of like amazing you know in terms of like we see what we're conditioned to see right uh, but like but because like i had I'm very, you know, sort of like I've been conscious of of like America's growing weight issues that, like, you know, of course I have a, a like a political point of view towards what I believe is tolerance, but that's not really the point I'm trying to make now. But like the thing, what is the thing is I was like seeing, I was just sort of like, it was just this stark view of, of the weight gain that's happened and, you know, in America and, it, it was startling. It was, it was just sort of startling to me that it kind of jumped off the page for me, but probably didn't jump off the page for other people.
0: I had, um, two actually very similar experiences. It was the same thing where, and I agree that I think because obesity is an epidemic in this country, I think something like over 40% of people now are, or, obese or overweight, but, and, and it's also with children, which is the saddest part of all, but I had two things is one I and I didn't notice this, but I had posted a picture. There's at a San Francisco baseball stadium, there is a place where you can get vegan hot dogs. And you can get vegan hot dogs at most stadiums now, but this one booth only sold vegan stuff. And someone took a picture because the line was so long for the vegan hot dogs. And so the point of the picture was to be like, look how awesome this is that there's all these people in line for the vegan hot dogs. Well, next to the vegan hot dog stand, of course, was the, you know, meat hot dog stand that also sold burgers and other things. And the first comment sa- someone said when I posted this picture was, haha, look at how much thinner all the people are in the vegan hot dog stand compared to the people in the stand next to it. And I was like you. I'm like, oh, I don't want to judge or whatever. But it really was truly shocking how much physically larger yeah. the other line was. I mean, it was truly shocking. And I was like, wow. Subsequently, I moved abroad. And I actually spent a lot of time in Europe because my family lives there. They're stationed there with the military. But every mm-hmm. single time I come back to the United States, I am truly shocked. And that's not to say there aren't overweight people in Europe, but it's just not as common. And so for my first week, I, I, I'm surprised. And again, I'm trying not to judge and project because I don't want people to do that to me. But at the same time, I can't help but notice the obesity epidemic in front of me when I come home. Of course, within a month, I've forgotten about it and it's back to my normal. But I do think that because people comment, even when I was still not at a healthy BMI, people would tell me I was too thin. And I'm thinking, my doctor is still telling me that my BMI is not well, that I still need to lose weight. But then people are telling me I'm too thin. But when everyone has a lot of weight to lose, Someone who is 20 pounds overweight suddenly appears thin, even though they're not medically thin.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I hear it now. I'm, I happen to be very lean now and people will be like, oh, my God, you're so skinny. And I'm like, but I, I'm actually just perfectly square on every chart in the doctor's office. Right. I'm not yeah. too thin. Too thin is starving. You can't people. win. Yeah, you can't win. No. I was but what's funny, you had said this earlier that um, you know, no one really comments on men. And that's true. My husband's lost almost 70 pounds since becoming plant based and using the meal plans. And I and he will say this. No one has ever said anything. No one told him he was too thin. No one told him he was too fat. Now that he's really starting to get lean, occasionally people will be like, you're too thin. And, and he's not by any means. He's just smack in the middle of average. But no one ever yeah. comments. Whereas me, at every weight, from 120 up to 160, I got comments too thin and too fat at each interval. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: sure. <laughs> so it's just like, well, um, uh, but one thing I, um, I did want to talk about a little bit more was MS and Dr. McDougall actually does a ton of research on MS. So if you have MS or, you know, someone who does Dr. McDougall does a lot of research. Dr. Gregor, which I think you mentioned also has a, all of his research on everything he does is unbelievable. But he has a lot of great things for MS, and there are some resources. Are there any resources in specific that you found really helpful?
1: Well, mostly Dr. McDougall, uh, the history of the Swank diet, Dr. Greger, um, who you've met, you know both of whom you mentioned. I've also looked into OMS, which is Overcoming Multiple Sclerosis, which is they're branched off the SLANK the the slank approach, but I think they still promote. Sort of fish eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I follow them for news, and and they have a lot of good information about MS and exercise. And uh, you know, I just don't follow the fish part. I uh, they they promote uh, having uh, flax oil. Uh, you know, when Swank did his. Uh, trials he he would have people have a tablespoon of cod liver oil
0: in the morning and I think
1: oh yeah yeah
0: (laughs) no thanks
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so I put flax you know I put flax on my oatmeal um and you know I still kind of trying to kind of wrap my head around the the whole uh omega-3 omega-6 thing I you know uh, uh, I know it's really about the proportions of, of, of omega-3 to omega-6, but there, you know, there seems to be this sort of like thing, you, you know, it's like the way information kind of has trickled down to the subconscious of America, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the term healthy fats. Well, what healthy fats are you getting? Oh, right. And, like, every time uh, I hear that, and, and, my skin and, starts
0: to crawl. I'm like, okay, yes, yeah, some fats like hydrogenated oils are definitely not healthy, but, let's stop the marketing
1: yeah yeah and omega 3s and you know it's it's just like the protein the whole kind of protein myth this sort of notion that like that that there's this that you can never have too much of this macronutrient when i do have conversations sometimes with family that, that you know there's always like well what what did you have for dinner well what was your protein and i'm like right. well, every and i'm like everything i eat has protein in it um i can do 200 push-ups what can you do right. You know? right right i can't even do 200
0: push-ups so you're blowing me out of the water
1: yeah i think it's uh partially will, partially ocd on my part yeah but, I, uh, yeah I, I, I don't do them in a row by the way i do them in in uh 10 or 10 to 15 sets but, but still, i do do the diamond push up yeah. which is uh which is one of the harder ones I can
0: do a three minute um, but, handstand. That's my, that's my trick. I don't always yeah, get to three minutes. I can do at least two minutes. And so when people are like, you don't have any strength. I'm like, well, do you want to watch me do a headstand right now? Cause I'll do it. Or I, I, headstands I can do probably indefinitely, <laughs> but um, handstands, I do it all the time and they're like, what? And I'll just, you know, I'll do it at a gas station to prove my point if I need to. Yeah.
1: yeah. Also like bike riding in LA yes. is, is, is sort of great because, L.A. is so kind of like has all these small like hills everywhere so that mm-hmm. you get like all those people trying to sort of like make uh, high intensity, high intensity interval training a sort of an indoor workout. If you actually just get on a bike in L.A., every no street is level. So you'll 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 have some some times of intensity and sometimes of coasting. So it's just this sort of like, to me, it's just sort of this weird natural form of H-I-I-T and stuff. But, you know, all that aside, I kind of don't, you know, I don't, you know, I think that like the weight loss ha- has happened largely through diet and not, ex. I mean, exercise for me is more about like MS and anxiety mm-hmm. than it is about like, than it is about weight because like. Maybe I eat a couple extra potatoes, a, a couple extra pieces pieces of fruit, or and carrots or whatever, because uh, of the exercise. Um, but I don't think I lose much from the. I mean, I I, I feel like I, I once I really made an effort to limit fat but that, that 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 it's sort of like a switch happened in my body and I lost. You know, I I just kept losing.
0: That was the same thing with myself and my husband too. And my husband has the same as you as he really struggled with the nuts and peanut butter and he was putting it on everything. And PB2 also worked for him for a little while, but we realized ultimately it was better to just sort of get past this addictive nature to the fatty foods and for me, people say that about me all the time. Oh, it must be because you do yoga or you walk all over the place. Because I do. I try to walk or ride a bike instead of driving because in LA, as you know, the traffic is awful and I'm scared I'm going to get killed. But um, but for me, what I always point out is I used to go to the gym every single day. I spent thousands and thousands on personal trainers and I was still overweight. My BMI was still in the you know unhealthy range. So, it clearly wasn't the exercise because I was exercising like a superstar and not losing weight. Now, the reason I even started yoga, I had lost most of my weight already, but I was dealing with I have very um, bad anxiety issues, I have chronic insomnia, yeah. I you know, was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, and so I started going to mm-hmm. yoga to try to, it was my therapy for those things, it was never about weight loss, it was like, I need yeah. to get better, like, sort of like you with the MS, this is what I'm doing for this condition, it, it's the same as right. a prescription, it wasn't, and, and, and sure, I'm sure it helps, like you said, I can probably eat an extra potato or some carrots, but... Generally, it wasn't the secret, it really was my diet, and it's easy to say, yeah. Oh, it's because she exercises, but when I was exercising, I wasn't thin,
1: <laughs> right? Right, yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, it's, I know a lot of people who exercise a lot, and you know, it's just it doesn't, you know, and actually, kind of looping back to the whole male thing, uh, it's interesting that the term dad bod came. Came up like I think yeah. about four or five months ago. And it was like this sort of like fetishization of, of, of a form of the male body where one does exercise, but one still eats poorly so that there's like muscle under fat. So, you know, a lot of like dudes we see with these sort of big arms that aren't really that they have some muscle, but what, what you're mostly seeing is probably this like layer of fat on top of a muscle.
0: Right. And yeah. No, that, I see that all the time, it, and I'm like, I can tell you work out a lot, and you kind of have the shape, but you don't have the definition because there's no leanness because there's like this like layer, this thermal layer on top of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I go back to Chicago, like I, like I get so cold there. Oh, because, right. Yeah. Like,
0: huh. <laughs> I see that all the time, Like my, I don't have enough body fat. I'm cold. I need a blanket.
1: Yeah, I've lost my interior cargo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know every time we go snowboarding, I like have to put on so many more layers now than I used to, which is good, but it's definitely, but, oh, and to kind of go back to like that layer of fat, and this happens to women a lot, and it definitely happens to me, is women will try to spot train, like they don't like their thighs, and so they'll suddenly start doing all these leg exercises, only to find out that their legs got bigger, like their pants are tighter, and I'm like, it's because you're just increasing that muscle underneath the fat, you have to just lose the fat that and it it is like so hard to accept that but that was that was definitely my reality oh boy but before i let you go because it's been so fun having you i did want to um circle back to one thing you said was about how with your ms you're not taking it as like this death sentence you're like i'm gonna exercise i do 200 push-ups i no it's not gonna hold me back and i think that's what's So critical, and I'm finally starting to hear it. Even doctors with with cancer patients are saying you have to have the attitude that I'm going to defeat this. This isn't going to hold me back. And my mom's best friend died when I was, I think, about eight or nine from MS. And I remember it was just a different world back in the '80s where you found out you had it, and then you didn't live much longer. And part of it is we knew so little, and there weren't a lot of the medications. But I think that when people were told it was like, you know, go by the rocking chair and just like rock away until the day comes and yeah. I love that you have embraced this new age sort of like, well, I'll show you.
1: Yeah, and that's like without like me personally, thank you. I really appreciate that cuz I think that is my attitude. I had to relearn how to ride a bike and I I did and I <laughs> you know, I try to ride about seven miles a day and, you know, I feel like I, I have to be stronger than it. And, you know, part of it is I I do have like a seven-year-old daughter. I kind of want to be able. And when I was diagnosed, I, you know, she was four, you know, and, and I just like, I, 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 I find it a challenge and I'm, you know, and I'm trying to like not only meet, but exceed the challenge. And, uh, And I can't imagine any other, you know, I I feel like I can't imagine any other attitude to have for it because in some ways it, there's this sort of cut and dry thing. Here's this disease, which, which, which will threaten my, which potentially threatens my ability to walk, which threatens so many things. And I, you know, I feel like I need to, 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 uh, be strong, you know, tenfold stronger than, than what it does to me and stuff. So I take that, I, I take that approach very sort of seriously. In fact, like, you know, it's like I freak out if I don't, you know, if I don't exercise a day, I don't feel comfortable. I don't, you know, like, I feel like, like as hard or as grueling as it sometimes feels, I can't take a day off because any particular day it may not, it doesn't take a day off.
0: I agree. I feel the same way if I am flying, like if I'm flying a whole bunch that day and so I'm physically trapped in an airplane, I just like, I get stir crazy and I start doing things in the airplane. And it's funny because I'll just start doing yoga like by the bathroom and the flight attention starts like, ma'am, you have to go back to your seat. I'm like, no, I can't do this. Like, it's it's killing me (laughs) physically, mentally, emotionally. Like, I just, can I please move my body? I just need to express out something. Like, just let me do that. Oh And I had someone say to me recently, um, I think it was in another episode, that flight attendants were like, oh, I can always tell when we're going to California because people do yoga in the aisles. And I was like, yes, that's hilarious. But um, one last thing that you always talk about in the forums and in the groups. So I don't want to rehash it too much here because you talk about it already a lot in the member community. But I always appreciate your honesty about how you lost a whole bunch of weight and then you regained it and then you lost it again, that you relapsed both in terms of gaining the weight back, but also with your diet. As you said, you flirted with fish and you started eating junk foods again. I think that's true for almost everyone. There might be some outliers out there who don't, but I was constantly gaining and losing the same 10 pounds over and over. My husband did it with 30 pounds. um, And for us, we just had to commit to the meal plans and be consistent to like keep it off. But I always just appreciate your honesty that, yeah, it happens, people relapse, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it again and that that time won't be final for you, like a permanent maintenance as you're doing now.
1: yeah, yeah. I think that like in in some ways, obviously, don't attempt to relapse. I mean, it's just right. I think it kind of it happens naturally to some people, but you know when you finally do come back you come back, I think you come back stronger and sort of with more knowledge and I think with more consciousness, uh, more mindfulness about what you're putting in your body. Um, and you know, it's sort of like, I, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a believer in moderation. Of course, some days are, are less well. And of course, some days, you know, like I'll have a bout of emotional eating, but like, I don't, but you know, if that happens, just, You know, be kind to yourself and the next, you know, you just, you just get back on the, it's sort of like, you know, you get back on the horse. I I hate that metaphor, but somehow I'm using it. But, you know, it's sort of like if, if, if I had a, if I had a bad day, I don't feel like the next day now, oh, oh, you know, I'm just going to spiral down. This, this is horrible. You know, you just, Mm -hmm. you you just, you just, you know, pick yourself up. And, And I think like once you've gone through a relapse and bounced back, I feel that, like, for me, you know, most days are good. Occasionally, there's a bad day. But I rarely will have two or three bad days in a row, you know?
0: Yeah, that was me. It used to be, like, I would just spiral out. I'd be like, oh, I give up. I quit. Now I'm like – and I I love this example. If you got one flat tire, would you slash the other three? No.
1: Right. That's perfect. That's perfect.
0: I think, too – This definitely happened to me is you get like a false sense of security when you've maintained for a while or when you're doing it well and you think, oh, I don't need to be so strict. I don't need to do all these things that got me here. Like you think, oh, it's fine. And I realized, you know what? There are some foods that are just off limits. It doesn't matter if I get to my goal weight. I still have to be off limits. Those foods are still off limits. Nothing changed. I still yeah. have to work every day at my, you know, mindful eating. I, yeah. I'm not cured of my emotional eating and my overeating. Just because I'm not doing it as much and I seem to be more in control doesn't mean I can quit all these strategies yeah. that gave me control.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that's where relapsing happens is, is that, you know, you, yeah. either you get tired of being, but that's why I, I hope everyone listening, if you've maintained your weight, keep doing all the things that got you there. You can't. Yeah let go of those things. You can't let go. Don't quit. What's working for you. Oh yeah. Gosh.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's sort of weird. Cause like, I know I can't have, you know, it's like, I can't have peanut butter mm-hmm. around and I can't have a box of crackers. Around right. Oh, I'm the same way. Wheat. Yeah. It's just like, you know, uh, I'll do something else. Like when I have an M, M. soup, like, you know, I'll, I'll make a crisp, you know, like pita or tortilla uh, but, like, if I were to buy, like, any sort of cracker box, it's gone.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> you you know, have to know because that I'll about yourself. One.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like I'll have one and, you know, one more won't hurt. And then, right. You know, eventually.
0: And one more won't hurt. Oh, that's that's not that big a deal. Oh, mm, and then the whole box is gone. Yeah, that's me with so many things. I don't, I can't even buy chocolate. Like I can't even buy a bag of chocolate at Christmas. If I have to make something, I buy chocolate and then I give it away or I throw it away. I'm like, no. And I can't even hide it from myself because I know it's there somewhere. I'm going to find it and eat it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it has been so awesome having you on, Gary. And I appreciate so much honesty. And you're such an inspiration. And I know so many members just love you. And especially because a lot of our guys aren't very talkative, but you and Ron, you're, you're planting the flag. (laughs) All right.
1: Well, thank you so much. I I've been a big fan and I I've really been, it's just a joy talking to you and I appreciate all the members love and support. And, and, you know, I sort of didn't realize until recently, like how, how, how much, uh, Whatever lover inspiration <laughs> that I've given people on the forum. So, um, that's really great. And, you know, there's a lot of people I love and follow too Natasha, Beth, Dash Girl, uh, et cetera. There's like too many to mention, but, uh, they're all just wonderful, wonderful people who, who really kind of care about the community. And, and mm-hmm. I love the community.
0: Well, thanks so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to learn more and join us, visit GetMealPlans.com. A big thanks to my co-pilot, Gary, for coming on today and sharing his story and his truth. And we'll post some links to a lot of the MS things we've been talking about with the the show notes on iTunes, but also on the podcast section of GetMealPlans.com, because there are so many. And thanks again to Gary and have a great day, everyone.